0: The first reading this morning can be followed on page 763 of the Old Testament section of the Pew Bible. I'm reading from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. A new covenant. The days are surely coming, says the Lord And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another, or say to each other, know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and remember their sin no more. The second reading can be followed on page 60 of the New Testament section of the Pew Bible. I'm reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Dedication to Theophilus. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Shall we pray? Oh, Father God, uh, may we have hearts and minds that are open, not just to hear, but also to receive whatever you want to tell us. And where you challenge us, may we be willing to respond in obedience. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Those of you who've looked at the... um, the schedule for these weeks will have noticed this morning it's Jesus and the Gospels, uh, is where we're aiming at. So, um, I hope you're prepared for a, a couple of hours because how, how do I cover Jesus and the Gospels in the quarter of an hour allocated to me? Uh, but there we are. Let's see. Over the last few weeks, we've been following the Bible course and exploring the big story. Uh, the one story that centers on Jesus Christ. Uh, two weeks ago... Uh, how many of you were here Last two weeks ago? Not lots of you. Well, two weeks ago, Helen focused principally on the exile and the prophets in the concluding, concluding books of the Old Testament. And we saw there in the 16 books from Isaiah to Malachi how the word of the Lord came to the prophets... And these prophets went on to tell us, to tell everyone, the message that they'd received and to foretell many of the events which would happen later. And of course today, as we move into the New Testament, with our focus on the Gospels and Jesus in particular, we need to appreciate that in what is recorded in the life the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the fulfillment of dozens, dozens of Old Testament prophecies. And all of this thereby authenticating the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. All of it as part of the big story. Rosemary's just read to us four verses from one of the Old Testament prophets in which Jeremiah looks forward to the day when Jesus would come to establish the new covenant. You see, the old covenant, based on the law given through Moses and written then on tablets of stone, had been broken by the people. Instead, says Jeremiah, there will be a new covenant. There's going to be a new agreement Offering that unique personal relationship with God himself. With his laws written not on tablets of stone, but written on their hearts, on the hearts of each individual. And it would be Jesus, it could be Jesus who's going to come to establish that covenant. And of course, for us today, in 2018, this covenant is here. It has been here for some 2,000 years now. And the truth of it is reliably recorded for us in the four Gospels. The other reading this morning from Luke, and in those introductory verses, uh, Luke makes it clear that he has investigated everything from the beginning in order to write a careful account, he says, so that why so that we can be certain of the truth you see his task was to carefully uh, and scientifically investigate uh, the whole course of events in our savior's life luke as a medical doctor knew all about study and research and and digging into facts to to get them right and he researched the evidence of many eyewitnesses And he realized the importance of the written record. The written record of Jesus' life and ministry in order to preserve it from the inaccuracies which were bound to arise from continued oral transmission. And he wanted to record good news. He wanted to record good news. That's what the word gospel means. His gospel was good news And in the Gospels, of course, we see how it was Jesus who preached the good news. And today, you know, in turn, when we preach, when we proclaim, when we make known the good news about Jesus, we can do so with the confidence of knowing that all of it is founded on historical truth. Well, Matthew uh, wrote his gospel mainly for a Jewish audience. Mark presents Jesus to the Roman Empire, whereas um, Luke, it's felt by many, uh, was reaching out to the marginalize, marginalized, to the, the poor, the women, the children, uh, and to the Gentiles. But all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, their Gospels are often referred to as the synoptic Gospels uh, because they share so much material in common. Whereas John, we often refer to him and he's referred to in Scripture as the beloved disciple, the one who was very, very close to Jesus. Uh, He goes to great pains to put emphasis on Christ's words. And he wants to explain the full meaning of all the the signs, miracles, uh, referred to in his gospel as signs. He wants to explain so that we will understand what signs mean in in, in depth. Uh, In many respects, his gospel is more spiritual than the other three. But there's considerable overlap in all four gospels. And where there are minor differences, and there are, aren't there, here and there, that's a good thing because that indicates that they didn't collude on their accounts. Let I me mean, ask you a question Have you read all four Gospels? Have you ever sat down to read a Gospel in a chunk and then another one in a chunk? I don't know, but you've read certainly parts of it. Um, you've heard sermons based on, on uh, the birth, the ministry, the life and uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels. And you, as you sit there, think back. What you've read, what you've heard, what has it really meant to you? What has it meant to you? Think of a passage that has really been very meaningful, or uh, the, the word when it's really sort of hit you hard, and you thought, Wow, that was for me. You've been challenged by what you've read or heard read, ever been sort of nudged by what you've heard, perhaps encouraged, transformed, changed in some way to live, to act to behave differently? I don't know. Yes? You know? God's word is powerful. You know, as we read our way through the Gospels, we see so much there that is what I would call our instructions for life. I look on the Bible in many ways as the manufacturer's manual. I often say how often I buy a bit of um, an electrical gadget or whatever and I'm eager to use it and I come back and I plug it in and then I wonder why it's not working the way it ought to. And I think, ah, if only i read the instructions. And I go back and check. And you know, we find in the Gospels, we find elsewhere, of course, In scripture. God's. That is God's manual. It's God's guidelines. Of how we should live. How we should be. And you know in simple basic terms. What's the bottom line? Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. And with all your strength. And. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then what did he add? Elsewhere he said. If you love me, you will obey my commands. You know, there, we've got the creator God giving us the most basic instruction. But why does he tell us this? And why should we obey his commands? It's because he loves us so much. And he wants us to enjoy life to the full. Not in part. He wants us to enjoy the fullness of life. I have come so that you may have fullness of life. And he reminds us over and over again of how we ought to live. I've just picked out one thing because really it came my way this week in a, in a particular way. How he reminds us about the whole area of forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgiveness. This last week, I've been in contact with a family who, are in a sad, bitter, feuding, broken relationship, oh, oh, that they would know Jesus, know how much He loves them, want to love him, and then act on this fact that forgiveness is the key that just opens the door of restoration. Forgiveness. God wants the best for us. Forgive. That's my command, he says. And if you love me, you will obey my commands. Yes, manufacturers' manuals in different books of the Bible. But in the Gospels, Jesus himself is giving us very clear and precise guidelines. And it's in the Gospel, of course, that Jesus gives us an example, a pattern of how to live and behave what is a great invitation to everyone? He says, come, come, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. Come and live the way I live. And to those who chose to follow then, he, he sent them out, didn't he? He sent them out to teach, to heal, to cast out demons in his name, to share the good news. And today in 2018... Jesus is still the same, still crying out, come, follow me. And he's still sending out 21st century disciples to share the good news, to heal in, in his name, to cast out demons, to whatever, and to offer that life-transforming invitation. And, you know, as we read the Gospels and and we see how... Jesus lived and acted. We can't help but notice how he went to great pains and great length to make himself known. He just wanted everyone to know who he was and what he could do and be for every man, woman and child. You know, he didn't introduce himself simply with, Hi, I'm Jesus. That's how We introduce ourselves, don't we? I'm Brian. He didn't say any more about ourselves unless we have to. No. Think of all those I am statements where he wanted people to know who he was. I am the son of man. What was that saying to them? He was emphasizing his humanity, but he was using it as a claim to his divinity. I am the bread of life. The bread that they were used to only lasted a day. I have to get another lot tomorrow. But here's Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, forever, all life. He was the life-giving, he had a life-giving role. And that he alone was the source of eternal life. I'm the light of the world. Light, that symbol of spiritual truth. And Jesus, that universal answer for our need of spiritual truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. Jesus, the only way into God's kingdom I'm the good shepherd. Oh, what a prophetic reminder, uh, a, a, a reminder of the prophetic message of the Old Testament of the Messiah with that claim to divinity, with love and guidance that he offered. It's a reminder too, isn't it, of David, how in the 23rd Psalm, he speaks of the Lord as his shepherd, my shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus wanted them to know that not only was he the source of life, but he's also the power over death. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The method, the message, and the meaning. Oh, he's summarizing in a phrase. His purpose in coming to earth. I am the true vine. I could go on. There's so many, aren't there? I am the true vine, the vine indeed. But what followed from that? And you. You are the branches. What a reminder that just as branches gain life from the vine and cannot live apart from it, so we are completely dependent on Jesus for our spiritual life. Isn't there a challenge for, for, for you and me in all those I am statements? As you've just heard them again, you know, as I've written them down here and reminded myself. Come on, is this how I know Jesus? Is this what I believe? Are these facts that I've fully embraced into my own life, as it were? And is my response to, to all of this one of head knowledge, as it were? Or is there an ongoing heart response to what he says, to who he is? Am I living? Am I Acting? Am I behaving? Am I thinking? Am I speaking? In the light of who Jesus is, do I look to Him each day to shepherd me and to lead me along those paths of righteousness that David speaks of? Am I still consciously grafted into the vine, or rooted in Jesus, that I'm a fruit-bearing branch? You know, a branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, said Jesus. And you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Challenged. I'm challenged to look again where I am in relation to all those statements of who Jesus is. I'm going to stop soon as John drew towards the end of his gospel he wrote Jesus did many many miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in the gospel but these are written so what is there is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life Capital letters, life in his name, and it's life in all its fullness. You know, the gospel is good news. It's good news. Somebody once said that John 3 16 gives us the gospel in a nutshell, and truly it is, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We've just celebrated harvest, thanking God for his abundant provision for our needs, one sense materially. But the good news just reminds us that God has made amazing provision in giving us Jesus to rescue us At the heart of his salvation plan. Oh, thank you, Father God. Thank you. But for those who turn to him in repentance and trust and believe in him, there's that forgiveness and there's that sure and certain guarantee of eternal life. And St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the church in Ephesus that we are indeed saved, saved by faith. And then follow the good works that God has prepared for us to do. And you know, the good works, in many ways, that is the harvest that God expects to reap from our lives. And part of that, I truly believe, is the fact that we are sowing, that we sow gospel seeds in our families, in our, amongst our neighbors, those with whom we work in our community, wherever we are. Do you know, one of my grandsons scored three goals last weekend and he couldn't wait to tell everyone. Jesus scored the most amazing goal and we are on the victory side. We should be telling everyone. Have we lost the thrill and the wonder of it all? And what he's done for us? For me? Hallelujah. We're redeemed sinners. Safe and secure in the love of Jesus forever. Oh, let's tell the world... How and why they should come and follow Jesus oh let's pray oh we thank you Father God for those who shared the good news with us for those who pointed us to Jesus thank you for the day that we decided to follow you that day when our faith journey began with you, Jesus but frequently our faith is found behind the locked doors of our heart oh spirit of the living God come, burst the bars of fear that keep us silent and send us out from here with that message of good news not only in our hearts but on our lips your kingdom come your will be done Amen